Hi there, you're listening to F&B Soundbites, a podcast where we cover hot topics, trends, challenges, and all things that are interesting to professionals in the engine room behind our food and bev industry. My name is Mark, and I'll be hosting today's podcast, alternating with our other regular host, Hamish McCook, for 2022. It's a little bit about me. I'm the market segment lead for food and life science here in Australia, and I look at all things food and beverage across a range of different markets and get the opportunity to talk to a couple of people today on all things about price volatility and what we're seeing in the market. As you'll hear from our guests today, they live and breathe this stuff. They see cost management all day, every day, but we're really going to dig in a little bit detail about what we can do in that space. So our two guests today, our first is Anthony Marici. He's a senior associate in our project management industrial team. He's similarly a market segment leader in our food and life science business, focusing on the New South Wales market. And he also heads up our cost estimating in Australia. Anthony is passionate about advising our clients around different strategies available to them to minimise the risk on their projects and get a great outcome. Outside of work, Anthony enjoys the outdoors and you'll find him either on a mountain, skiing or mountain bike riding. So welcome, Anthony, to the call and thanks for joining us today. Hi, how are you, Mark? And uh, yeah, great to be here and look forward to discussing some of these uh, issues we're facing at the moment. Thank you. And our other guest... It's Andrew Hoffmeyer, Technical Director of our Cost Management from our Auckland office. And a little bit of background on Andy. So he has over 35 years experience in the construction industry, both as a consultant and a contractor. He's one of the Becker oracles in cost planning, value engineering, risk management and contract management. He has a broad industry library of projects covering all things from heavy mining and metal, oil and gas, water treatment, all the way to what we're more going to be talking about today in food and beverage, in particular areas such as dairy and brewing. So between our two guests, we've got a really broad range of experience also geographically. But what we're really here to talk about today is probably what you've seen all over the newspapers, online, you can't escape it. You've probably heard things like soaring commodity prices, inflation out of control, shipping issues, labour shortages... Our international conflicts are really disrupting the supply chain networks and, of course, the issue of the global pandemic that we're still working through. So we're all conscious of a lot of what these issues out there and it's what's really forming that perfect storm of trying to get projects done and be a successful business in this time. But what we really want to talk about today are how can we navigate that storm? How can we put our hands on the wheel and avoid those icebergs and see storms ahead and still get to the end destination that we want to all in one piece? And we're going to start with how we're looking at our stakeholders in our business and starting that communication for how things are different and what are we going to do about that? So, Anthony, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on how are you approaching stakeholder management in your projects now as opposed to what you would have done let's say three years ago. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Currently, it's just so important that we are communicating throughout the businesses about what is happening in the world. I mean, everyone's seeing it on the news, as you mentioned, and comparisons to 1970s and all these items that are coming up. But the business needs to be completely informed from your supply chain to management through to your sales team. Whereas before you, you would set up a business case and work through that, I think it's so important now that as you're working through that business case, the, all parts of the business are sitting down together and understanding where we're at and that the prices are probably not going to be as fixed as they once were. And so these are items that really need to flow through the business at the moment. The commercial parts need to really be across what's happening now because they're making you know, contracts with other customers. 
And they need to understand what the impacts could be to the cost. And these issues just weren't there three years ago, as great as they are at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree. And I guess that leads more into similarly how business cases are calculated and the sensitivities that were before in terms of what you'd look at prior to, you'd be able to give a lot more assurity a lot earlier in terms of what the the max ceiling would be. Now that's playing out differently. So how are you seeing that stakeholder engagement then flow into, I'll say, the hard numbers that are going into people's business cases? Yeah, you're right. I think previously business cases were, what product did you want to make or what expansion are we doing? And put some numbers down that, you know, those were pretty stable. Now that's up in the air. We're seeing numbers jumping up at 10%. You know, if a contractor is is busy, it could even be high. We're getting some wild prices and, and, and challenging situations. So as you're putting that business case together, uh, it's unlikely that you're going to have a number as you once did. There's probably going to be a range, you know, showing a best, worst or likely case. And what does that do? Where is the project's tipping point break even? On top of that, we've got supply chain issues that really need to form part of the business case. Previously, it might have been, we can move it over China and get our goods here in a certain amount of time. Now, that whole supply chain really needs to be looked at from raw materials to getting your goods once made to the consumer. So, I think the main point right now is making sure that you're looking at all the facets of the project from supply chain. And I think there's an important question that companies need to ask, and that is, can this project afford to wait? You know, what does the world look like after? With supply chains the way they are, is price as big of a factor as it once was? Does the project need to happen? And are you set up for what the world looks like over the coming two years? And just asking about that, Anthony, how many of your projects do you think are purely financial cost-driven in that lens where maybe the best opportunity is wait to get better certainty around that? And particularly in the food and beverage industry, where do you see more the time impetus or being able to get to market and capture that commercial opportunity is the bigger driver for projects. Finally, right now I'm working on a supply chain project, two of them actually. And while the project has a upper limit of how much it can cost, it has to happen. You know, these projects need to happen to ensure consumers are getting their goods. And so while there was a number that was an upper limit, I, I do believe that number's moved because the whole market has moved. You know, supply chain is going up day by day. And so that is giving room for the project to grow with what we're seeing at the moment. Whilst it's increasing cost, on the flip side of the ledger, there might be an increased benefit also going with the project time bound. And hence, those two things are moving at a similar rate as opposed to being a fixed benefit that you're trying to unlock with a variable cost. If it's not business critical um, to grow the business, probably, um, you know, we're seeing that that could possibly wait depending on uh, what mark. Um, where you're looking at. But if it is a product that uh, needs to get to market, we can't get from uh, international because of supply chain or it's, it's restricted or the price has grown rapidly, then once again, that cost increase is having less of an impact as you know it has gone up in other places as well. No, thanks, Anthony. I think, and that's a really important part of any business case analysis is what is the do nothing position? And that's always your reference point for how we're, calculating benefits moving forward about what these interventions and the supply chains will make. So thank you, Anthony. If there is that impetus for change and we've established that there is that benefit that is sitting there that has got a time critical nature to it or as there's a market opportunity, you know, we really need to be able to continue on. We can't just drop anchor and sit there and, and think about what are we going to do while there's storms ahead. We need to charge on. 
So in, the, in that case, we really want to start thinking about well, what is our procurement and our contracting strategy to be able to move through that and navigate our way there. Andy, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on how the current thinking is leading into our procurement strategy and what are clients looking at differently from that perspective in the way that they're structuring their projects? Yeah, thanks, Mark. You know, we, we do have the challenges and, and really our challenge here is how do we respond to that? How do we navigate it? Because we're looking at a consistent increase or disruption of the market, just the feedback that one's getting. Bearing that in mind, Clients still have a commercial driver to deliver projects, and some of them are necessary for compliance, such as water and wastewater in many cases. And if you're looking from a commercial perspective, sometimes when the market's down, it's actually a good time to invest for picking it up on the rise again. So those drivers are still there. How the market is responding to that, or how do we structure it slightly? I think that there is a much better understanding of risk on the delivery of the project. So what we are seeing more of is that clients or investors are understanding the risks that vendors or contractors are facing at the start of a project, it may be commercial risk, it may be delivery risk, it may be price certainty risk. So from a contracting perspective, in some industries, you're actually seeing clients who are actually willing to bulk buy and free issue and take on that risk and get the benefit out of it. So that does put risk onto a client because their business isn't buying steel or buying equipment up front. They are interfacing with contractors better to minimise their risk to deliver their project. So the good part about that is, in fact, that what we're looking at now is that clients are becoming a lot more familiar with the impact of their procurement strategy on an effective delivery of their project. Um, and they're understanding that even though from a process perspective, you may have consistency, but disruption in time or claim or delivery from a contractor actually can have a huge impact on the delivery of that project in time and under the circumstances. Uh, it, it, is, it is a challenge, but what we're looking at is to get competitive tension, but not transfer all the risk onto a contractor. There's always that dual consideration. And I think we're looking at a tendency to accommodate a more hybrid approach to contracting strategy on delivering projects and going out and getting a competitive price. And at the same time, ensuring that the risk sits better with the party that's best able to manage it. And I think that's a positive going forward. What we do need to do is get out of the lowest price mentality and understand that lowest price doesn't always mean best mitigation of risk because you could pay dearly for that. There's a lot of work to do. And I think from a consultant's perspective, we need to work closer with both our client and the contractors to ensure that it's a joint approach to procurement and what's suitable for a project. And essentially, I think that's where we're finding a different approach right across the industry to project delivery. And it's a step up to what we've had as a norm before. So just building on that, would you say the norm before was, I'm a client, I have a pot of money that I want to spend, and I was very focused on my objectives, and I would just go out to the market to be able to get something to be able to help me achieve that. Whereas it sounds like what you're talking about, you're seeing a real change in approach of looking at the whole value chain of what's required to deliver the project and starting to treat the suppliers and the contractors more as a part of that team and being more open to really understanding what is important for them to be able to deliver that component of the job and having a more of a open transfer, as you say, where does the risk best sit? You're quite right there. The one thing to remember is that, in fact, it's not a one-size-fits-all. 
because you're seeing enterprise models and early contract involvement models uh, being developed by, for example, water utility companies and where they've got an ongoing work stream. From that perspective, they can move into a different model of project delivery, which is sustainable. And so the model is going to be slightly different, but I think their understanding and the maturity of their project delivery team has improved to a point where they are more accommodating or do understand that the uncertainties today are significantly greater than before. Before, a lot of the uncertainties were, will the market buy my product? Today, the uncertainties are price, logistics, cost of delivery in the supply chain, uh, and time. Uh, You get one big delay on a project, it costs that investor a huge amount of money. And I think it's the old adage of, you know, once it's spent, you never recover it. And I think clients are much more aware of those risks. We touched on that briefly, but I wanted to unpack a little bit more around the procurement approach and how we go to market with trying to find those partners that we want to work with and engage with and and collaborate throughout the entire life cycle. Anthony, I might throw to you, there's two key challenges at the moment in the market. A, capacity in the market and how do you find who has capacity to do the job in the timeframes that you're doing? And similarly then, well, how do you go about finding that capacity in someone that's actually able to do your job, yet still maintaining some of that competitive tension so that you can know that you are getting a good deal out there? What's, what's some of the things that you guys are employing at the moment to be able to address those two points? That's a tough one at the moment, and there's no one-size-fits-all answer to this one. Definitely what we're doing at the moment and doing it with great vigour is a pre-qualification of the contractors and really focusing on capability, capacity, and the soundness of their business. The other thing we haven't really touched on is, you can hear it in the news, is there's a lot of risk around contractors at the moment. So that's the first part. And when you're doing that, you know, really giving contractors a timeline. You cannot at this stage turn up and say, we need a price back in a couple of weeks. It's coming out tomorrow. Notifying them of your timeline, being early, stepping them through the process is one of the best keys you can get to get a, a good list of tenders. Depending on which method you want to go, the competitive one is hard. It's quite hard to get a sizable group to bid. So it may be best you know, to look at who are your key contractors that you'd like to get, get them to bid, maybe do a bit of an ACI with that successful contractor and the tender. And so just really working through that procurement strategy. Are you doing detailed design? Are you doing DNC? All these really need to be discussed as a project team and looking at the pros and cons. For instance, doing a detailed design will delay the engagement of a contractor for another, you know, probably six months or depending on the size of the project. Will that play into your advantage? These factors just need to be considered. Whereas before, you could do design, do DNC and get a list of contractors to tender and and not too much of an issue. So it, it is a point that really needs to be considered and a bit of focus put on. Uh, definitely, I can talk of experience in my current project is similarly where we've gone a really early pre-selection process. And a lot of that has been around, you know, what jobs do you have on? You know, when are some coming off? Do you have the capacity to look at this project or is this going to push you over the edge? So it's definitely getting in early and giving, as you say, those long visibility of, of the overall timeline so they can plan their resources around that. Yes, and I had a project where in order to get interest, we had to only have two bidders, but it did give us that competitive attention. So there's options out there and you've really got to play through them depending on your project. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's re-looking at what might have been the perfect way to deliver a project three years ago now means that you might have to transfer that one way or the other just so that you can create enough interest to be able to get the market to come to your project. 
And so I wanted to talk a little bit more in around, you know, when you're starting to get into the detail of those conversations with those key contractors, what are some of the real topics that they're putting on the table around the contract form, execution approach, that risk sharing that Andy's talked about? Maybe I'll start with you, Andy, and what are some of the specific things that the market's coming back with at the moment saying, for us to do this job, this is what we're going to need to negotiate on? I've just had a notification, a heads up from a major contractor over here who's big into the water space and infrastructure space. And their conversation really is understanding risk. And the the conversation really is around definition of project, stage of definition project, and risk of being able to engage in the supply market for their materials and labour to pre-plan on that. If you leave the definition of the project too late, in other words, a design build with a very preliminary type specification up front, that really just pushes their threshold of uncertainty out, doesn't it? And it means that you know that you're asking them to lump sum something, and but they still can't lock in supply prices. The other side of it really is time and delay. So a lot of them are saying we need to have a conversation about long lead items. And so from a specification and requirement perspective, a principal or employer's requirement perspective, they're saying, let's identify those long lead items early on. What that really does is our specifications need to be good. And from an ECI perspective, it means you're having those discussions with contractors earlier on, defining that so that you actually minimize that risk early on in the project. The other conversation really is around where does the risk lie for cost escalation? How are you going to manage that? Now, contractors... Obviously, you've got the two sides of the story here as the contractors want fully cost reimbursable for any movement and clients want some certainty and they want the lump sum. So that conversation with contractors is getting to a point where they say, look, we can manage the risk for 60% of the value of this project. The other 40%, let's find a fair method of contract price adjustment you know, compensation through the project. For quite a few years now, people have really just been able to forecast that increase in cost or potential increase in risk. And so a lot of them coming back and saying, right, is it index-based or do we have a proven cost-based type thing or we have an open book recovery of it? So from that perspective, I think it's a good opportunity and we need to move fast on that because they are understanding and willing to discuss that risk. The other one really is a time risk and from a contractual risk perspective is understanding there was force majeure, but you're now getting into a point of what's what's our of the control of the contractor, you know, what's beyond their influence and how and where would they recover that? So people have to be pretty cognizant of that from a contractual perspective. You could say, well, you guys are responsible for everything, or you could say, well, these are potential disruptions and how do we deal with that? Do we minimize the cost and do we recover that cost reasonably from both sides? So I think that's a good conversation and under the circumstances, it's a mature conversation and it's going to be the way forward from here. Absolutely. No, thank you, Andy. We've just had a really great conversation here on what's a lots of things that we can look at about navigating that storm. And just going back through what we've thought about, you know, early on in the projects, Anthony spoke about being really open on our communication and expectations of what our stakeholders in our business expects from these endeavors. And where is the risk and where is the opportunity and where do those things lie? He also talked about how critical it is to really understand what are the key drivers in your business case, your objectives, why are you doing this project, why are you investing these resources and being really clear on that. That lends into this whole pre-planning perspective that we spoke about and really thinking about how can we start engaging with the market. 
And from Andy's perspective, we heard about that whole collaboration and it's a team approach to be able to deliver that project and really extending the value chain now to think about our contractors as part of that team, part of that solution, and how can we better share risk with them to be able to achieve these outcomes. So I just wanted to get some final thoughts from Anthony and Andy. If there was one key message that you wanted to leave our listeners with about what's happening in the market, what is the one key message thinking about how you can get through this storm? Anthony, I might start with you. I think it's that projects have changed. You no longer go have an outcome that you need, go ahead, design it, procure it, and do it. You've really got to work as a team. And that is a team from within your business, with your partners, through to your contractors. You need to look at all the outcomes possible and look at you know what decisions you're making and why you're doing the project. Thank you, Anthony. And Andy, your final thoughts? What we do need to look at going forward is to understand that when you're looking at a project delivery on a total outturn cost, the gating process and the challenge through your process needs to be challenged along the way from a risk perspective and a delivery perspective. And I think that's going to drive us to take us through an FEL process or a project maturity process. But I think that value is much more apparent now under the current times. Absolutely. Taking that rigorous approach all the way through and rethinking about it and retouching base and making sure current approach is always relevant. Well, thank you to our listeners for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from our guests, scratching the surface on their broad range of experience. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, but there's also lots of things that we can do. I look forward to hosting more of these chats in the future alongside our other host, Hamish McCook. Until then, see you later.